Welcome to the eBook Revolution podcast. I'm Emily Craven, bringing you interviews on writing, publishing, transmedia, book marketing, and the eBook Revolution. The companion website is ebookrevolution.blogspot.com. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone, Emily Craven here from eBook Revolution. Thank you very much for joining me for this podcast in August 2013. It's been a while since I posted a podcast uh, and I'm really excited about this one. We're showing people how to create their own book trailers with the guys at Red 14 Films. But first I wanted to catch you guys up on what I've been doing uh, for the past couple of months. I've been putting together print versions of my books. It's been a very slow, long process, mainly because of the covers and getting the covers approved through Lightning Source. And I've been blogging about that on my website, if you guys are interested, on ebookrevolution.blogspot.com. I've also just recently launched a new crowdfunding project with uh, a whole host of fantastic genre writers. So we have New York Times best-selling author Sean Williams, award-winning author Isabel Carmody. We have uh, Doctor Who writer Robert Schumann and a dozen other genre writers who are going to be writing real-life choose-your-own-adventures in cities around the world. So we've got people based in the UK, the USA, Canada and Australia to be writing these adventures. And we're trying to crowdfund the projects, which basically means that um, – people pledge money towards the project and in return they get some awesome rewards that we're going to be producing. Uh, It's a chance for anyone who's interested uh, to actually live a story rather than read it. So we're really excited about it. And if you're interested to take a look at that, that one's at possible.com forward slash choose adventure. Now, I also last week went to a fantastic conference called Storyology. Now, Storyology is run by the Walkerley Foundation here in Australia. That's the Journalism Foundation. And basically, it was a whole four days on journalism, on how people are now telling stories both online and offline and across different media. Um, I was talking about my Choose Your Own Adventure project and also about uh, putting transmedia like video and audios into books. And we had packed out sessions, which was it was really wonderful to see how interested people were in, in doing different forms of storytelling and enhancing what publishers traditionally do, which is, you know, just books. And, uh, and I learned a whole heap of things, particularly about uh, interactive storytelling. There's some great journalism platforms out there, uh, such as Noah Rosenberg's Narratively, which was also crowdfunded. Um, and then I also met uh, the interactive storyteller for The Guardian in the U.S. Uh, and they're doing some fantastic interactive stuff online um, using the data that they have to tell meaningful stories. Uh, I'll be blogging about that as well in the next couple of weeks. So I hope you guys are all having a, a adventure-filled year as I am, and please enjoy the podcast. Uh, hi, everybody. Emily Craven here from the eBook Revolution podcast, and I am very excited about today's podcast. It's about book trailers and how you can make your own. Now, the people that I'm talking to today are Red 14 Films. Now, Red 14 Films was founded in 2011 by a small group of writers and filmmakers looking to engage potential readers through digital film. So they produce very short art house films that basically accompany your book, serving as a cinematic back cover sort of synopsis. So these trailers are made for publishing houses big and small, as well as indie authors and self-published writers. So today we're talking to one of the founders, Adam Cushman, on what makes a good book trailer and how indie authors need to make their own. 
So thank you so much for joining us, Adam. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, when uh, you, I was having a bit of a chat with you guys on, on Twitter, um, I, I start, it started an interesting conversation and I was very curious to, to learn more. So let's jump straight into it. Why should indie authors have a book trailer? What are the benefits? Um, I think the benefits extend to everyone. I mean, pretty much anyone with a book. Um, what happens is when you when you publish either with a big publishing house or a smaller house, or even if you self-publish, you find out rather quickly that um, as far as promotion goes, you're kind of on your own. And that I mean that's true of, of very name writers as well as new voices. And what does that mean? And what does that mean you have to do? And I think what happens a lot of the time is that the writers discover um, the world of social media and, and online networking and website building and, and so forth. And you're, you're still kind of limited as far as how to spread the idea of a book and, more importantly, how to spread the idea of a book without, without doing it directly, without trying to sell them something, but by entertaining them. Um, so I think, the, I think the benefits are enormous and uh, – you know, many fold. I mean, you can you can use them to um, promote the book itself. You can use them to promote the author, much in the way a music video operates, in that it it's not saying purchase this. It's saying, hey, you know, pay attention to this to this band or or this album, and if you're compelled by it, you'll want to learn you'll want to learn more about the artist. Indeed, I um. It was interesting when you compared it to a to a music video because I thought, well. I've of course, you know, I watch music videos all the time and of course it's what they are. They're ad- advertisements. Right. Um, and particularly with um, book trailers as well, book trailers are short and they people are willing to watch a, you know, two to three minute book trailer that doesn't require them to read a, a couple of paragraphs. Exactly. Exactly. And it, and beyond that, it, I mean, this is relatively new territory, so I, I think that there's a lot to be decided about what can be done with the form. But in, in my opinion, promoting books uh, with them are just, is just the beginning. Um, they can also be used to uh, promote the, the book rights to film studios and producers who uh, have ever-increasingly uh, depleting attention spans. Oh, yes, of course. If you, if you um, make one that captures their attention, then... I hadn't even thought about that. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, we have a few of our projects that have, um, one of them has been optioned and another one is, uh, no, two of them have been optioned actually based on the, uh, the trailer. Wow. Yeah. Well, can you give us a little bit of a background then on, on you, Adam, and how you came to the point you're at now where you're you know, creating book trailers for authors? Sure. I, you know, like, like most things, it was entirely accidental. Um, my background's in filmmaking and, and fiction writing, and I've always been sort of in between both of those worlds. I never really thought there was a way to merge them uh, until it just more or less fell in my lap. Um, how it started was I had a friend who is an author, and he had a book, and he knew my directing, and he, he asked me if I would make him a book trailer, and I said, well, I, I guess I could, but I don't really know what that is. And... I did some research online, and I, what I found was that they had been around for about six years, but they were uniformly kind of bad. Um, there, there hadn't been a lot of invention or style put into it. It was mostly 
uh, presentations of the slideshow and uh, still frame, you know, capacity that, you know, with scrolling text and, and bad voiceover. But more importantly, it was it was not anything anyone would want to share with their friends because it was just, you know, it, anything that's a direct ad like that is just a little bit spammy. And I think people's attempt, uh, people's radar for spam these days is very keen. And, and they can see it from a mile away. Anyway, we, we shot that one, and I really enjoyed working within the forum, and especially in, in the sense that there were no rules yet, and you could sort of do whatever you want. Um, you're, you're beholden to the story and, and to capture the tone and, and the mode of the book. But beyond that, as, a, as a, a medium for filmmaking, it's entirely wide open. So he was very pleased with that one, and... We started to make a couple more for friends of ours that, that had books, and pretty soon we had people coming to us, and you know, shortly thereafter, it was a business. That's fantastic. And what sort of writing do you do yourself? I'm a fiction writer. I actually have a book coming out in December. That's awesome. What's it called? It's called Cut. It's coming from Black Mountain Press. Wonderful. That's awesome. Because um, I think that that shows that, you know, you understand people's pain with trying to cut down or, or distill a book into, you know, a two-minute video. Absolutely. And, and, and this has largely been something that we've, you know, we've been learning as we go, uh, what makes the best uh, book trailer and what makes, you know, for something that, that people are really going to want to view and, and share with their friends. And, and your production team have all worked on a big swath of actually of major movies, haven't they? Yes, yes. And, um, my partner and I, well, between the two of us, I mean, yes, a number of them. My my partner Mike Sandow was uh, was actually a production assistant on I don't remember what movie it was, Con Air or The Rock, when he was twelve, and that's how he got started, and just sort of worked his way up in the business as a as a cameraman. From there, and then sort of ventured into acting, and and now he's you know he's producing these with uh, with the company, um, and shooting a lot of them and editing and and so forth. And my from my side, it was mostly um, like I said, a combination of you know short films um, as well as uh, fiction writing. And can I ask how long it takes you to make one of these? Sure, um, you know it it depends, and it really depends on the project. I. I'd say, you know, to, to have more time is better, uh, but we also understand that very often writers are coming to us um, when there's already a release date set for the book. Uh, most of the time that's the case. And we, we try to typically have them turned around in 90 days. Uh, sometimes it's less than that. Sometimes it's even as, as short as 60 days. Wow. So a lot of thought goes into it. Yes. So can I ask what the difference between a cinematic book trailer and, and a regular book trailer is? Because I definitely know those dodgy PowerPoint text-heavy right. videos. It's a good question, and it's, it's something people don't ask often enough. Um, and, and there are, you know, that said, there are also new forms of, of book trailers emerging all the, all the time. I mean, I, I'd say even the young adult book trailer has, has become its own genre. Uh, but the fundamental difference is quality, really. Um, and actually, Wiki I think Wikipedia defines it as uh, more high-end uh, or more quality-based trailers, which I think says a lot. Um, 
but yeah, pretty much the the standard book trailers tend to be very generic. Um, they feature still frames. There's not a lot of production value. They they almost pride themselves on doing it as you know as inexpensively as possible, um, which which is fine. Um, but I think the result is often something that has given book trailers themselves a bad name, and and rightfully so. A cinematic book trailer is something entirely different. They're entirely shot um, by filmmakers, and they're they're approached from more of a production standpoint, and uh, with with quality being the focus. So storyboards and sure. all that sort of sure. Thing. Do you use storyboards? Is that how you sort of set up uh, what, what some, you want to film? Some do. I, it really depends on the filmmaker who's who's directing it. Um, I personally do not use storyboards because I'm I'm the world's worst artist. I'm I mean I will mess up a stick figure if if you allow me to. Um, but I I think that you know that's that's a creative choice. I know I have a number of filmmakers on staff that do like them. I prefer the shot list personally. Uh, do you pick your directors for each project, like based on what type of a project it is? So you, you know, you, you're not just, um, I suppose, throwing all genres at the same person. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very the selection process is very is very thought out and very careful. Uh, now, my my first comment to you guys on Twitter when I sort of had a look around your site and was watching some of the trailers which are fantastic and I highly recommend uh, you know if people want examples of a good cinematic trailer to go to red14films.com but my first comment to you guys on Twitter was that these cinematic trailers were beyond the price point of most indie authors Mm. but you said they weren't and I wanted to know why well uh, I mean I think there are many answers to that I mean the first is that what we're able to do I mean and what we what we do is is we do it for so much less than any other production company uh, because we've, you know, we've been in the business for a while, and we know how to cut corners, and we know how to get the best image uh, for for very little. But it's it's also, you know, it's something that you know might be unaffordable to some, but it it really is what you put into it. So I think for someone who, for example, who could not afford us, um, there are ways that they can do it on their own. And you know, we've we've made several blog posts about that because you know we're happy to share this information and we hope that more people do approach it um with some sense of quality um but you know there there are many approaches like for example um stealing shots and what i mean by stealing shots is that there's a way to to compose a shot and shoot something to make it appear as if it's part of a larger scene um but that scene doesn't actually exist um another Another way to do it is to stay very tight on the actor rather than, you know, having a lot of wide shots. Um, and, and granted, we're, we're learning as we go. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's what you put into it. But I, I can tell you as far as price points go, I mean, we're, we're far less expensive than most production companies and definitely any of the few uh, book trailer production companies that are out there, most of whom are charging, you know, anywhere north of, Say six thousand U.S. dollars, um, in which they won't even shoot anything, and that, that's still you're still getting a slideshow type presentation, and then anything after that they'll they'll shoot. But again, they don't. I mean, I'm not you know I'm not going to name names, but from what I have seen, the the level of quality is is pretty low. 
can I be cheeky and sort of ask you ballpark figures on what you guys charge? Um, sure. I mean, it, it, it depends project to project, but we average, I'd say, about 3,500 USD. Mhm. So about half of the other the other ones. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, but as 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 you said, you know, some people may not be able to afford that. And sure. so I wanted to um, uh, focus a little bit on uh, perhaps the elements of a, of, a, of a book trailer. So what would be the top three things to you that make an awesome book trailer? Hmm, that is a very good question. Um, you know, I think the first thing is the music. I mean, music can really make or break these things. Um, the cinematography, obviously, and... I, I think the third thing is really how much you're saying about the book. Um, are you giving away too much? Are you uh, focusing too much on the plot? Um, because oftentimes you, people try to throw too much in there, and they almost treat it as an adaptation. And very often it, it's when it, you see that that it makes it kind of go south. In my opinion, a successful book trailer gives you just a taste, just enough to say, I'm interested in that, I want to find out more. And that, that's really our job, is to, is to get that reaction out of people and get them to say, yeah, I want to find out more about this book, more about this author, and see if it's something that, that appeals to me. And is, is there a, like when, when we talk about writing blurbs for book and, books and whatnot, there are a whole heap of formulas out there for what you should be putting in a blurb. Is there like a formula for what you should be putting or what you should be showing in your trailer? Is it, you know, you, in terms of blurb speak, is it you're just showing that hook at the start? I don't think there's any formula to it. I mean, at least not in, not in our experience. And partially I, I think that's what's so appealing about this form, um, at, you know, in its current state, is that there really are no rules yet. And there is no formula to work off of. And it gives filmmakers a chance to be very inventive and, and work within their craft. And a cinema, because you were you were mentioning, you know, the you know what you show, the cinematography and the, and the music, is is cinematography something that you could learn as an author? Like, are there resources out there for you to sort of learn, at least you know, not not a degree's worth of cinematography, but just enough to add that sort of edge to your book trailer? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question. I think you're asking if is cinematography a skill that can be acquired by an author. Yeah, quickly. yeah. So is it something? Is, are there resources out there that like an author could use to help them bulk up their skills, as it were? Uh, I mean, definitely. I mean, there's there's a ton of information out there. There's a ton of how-to or DIY videos. Sure. And, and again, it goes back to you know how much you're willing to put into it. But you know, very often you don't need to go that far. I mean, if you're an author, chances are good you know somebody, uh, especially in this day and age, with a camera. For example, with a DSLR, even or um, I mean, even the iPhones get get pretty good quality. Um, most of the time, we know someone who can shoot, you know, relatively decently, um, and you know, it's it's great for them. It gives them a, you know a chance to build their reel, and and help you know get in on the ground floor on a on a new creative form. Hmm. You um, talked a little bit before about blogs that you guys have written about how people can make their own uh, book trailer. So mm -hmm. what are your top tips for, for how to make your own? Um, 
I'll give you a few of them, and you can also uh, visit the the blog directly at uh, cinematicbooktrailer.com. And there's a post on a trailer we did uh, for a book called Empty the Sun, which was one of the first trailers that we made. Um, and we did it for we did that one for about three dollars. And we wanted it. We wanted to see if we could do it. And I mean, I think and this isn't certainly the only way to do it, but this is how we did that one. Um, is that we we used one piece of stock footage and only one, and we managed to integrate it uh, into the film so that it, you really couldn't tell which shot was stock. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make when they when they create these things is they they put too much stock in there. Um, one is it's a tool; it shouldn't be the whole thing, and it, it's a great tool if you know how to use it. So that that's one thing is be very selective over your stock footage and, and use it uh, creatively and. And, and integrate it properly, um, staying very tight on the actors and on and using a lot of inserts. Uh, it, it it creates a sense of a of a higher production value rather than having a lot of wide shots where you see too much in the frame. I mean, sometimes a good production designer can really decorate that frame so that it, it looks busy enough and looks looks high end. But most of the time, you want to stay very very close. Um, use your friends. Use your friends as actors. That's, I mean, that's going to save you a lot. Use props that you own. Um, vary up your locations. I mean, I think one mistake is to shoot the entire thing in your house. I mean, that just, you know, gives it away. But at the same time, you can pull off a shot from your house uh, and, and integrate it with the rest of the trailer uh, or of whatever locations you have access to. Going out in public, um, guerrilla-style filmmaking, you know, it shouldn't be the whole thing, but it's it's an element. It's like, you know, these are all... You know, like like elements that, you know, for example, you know, that a painter would have in their palette, you know, that they can dip into and use accordingly. Um, there's all kinds of tricks like that that can yeah, you can use to do them very, very cheaply. Um, so, yeah, going into public and, and grabbing shots um, that, you know, maybe they're crowd shots, maybe they're, you know, someone you needed someone coming out of a store or something like that. Um, that's really helpful. What else? Um yeah, I mean that's it. And then really putting something into the artistic elements like fonts and uh, animation. I mean, really just you know spending some time with that because I, I see so many of these where they just use any old font and it, it just doesn't look very good. Um, but if you put a little effort into it, maybe you know spend an hour looking for a really unique look that you know even tonally is connected with with your book. It it goes a long way. So why is a lot of stock video footage bad? I don't, well, I don't think that it's always bad. I mean, I think you can use it very creatively, but so much of the time it's it's the only style that's being used. Um, and it, it so often looks like stock and looks like it was just kind of thrown together so that they could say, well, now we have a book trailer, we did it. But, you know, you, you've got to think about your audience. and And this is so much more than just selling a book i mean in a lot of ways you're giving back to your fans and so you know you want to give them the best presentation that you can um so again i think stock is just one element of the art form but again so often it's the only element and that's to me the mistake and i suppose stock wouldn't have all of the elements you needed either i was taking a look around at um stock footage in preparation for this interview uh, and uh, just thinking to myself, oh, what sort of 
scenes would I potentially need for if I were to make a trailer of my own book? And I was like, okay, well, you know, footage of New York is something that I need. And then there is this young girl who has a red umbrella. And so I was, you know, Googling things like a red umbrella. And of course, you know, there was no stock footage for a red umbrella in a city, let alone just a red umbrella itself. And, um, you know, there was a, there's a, you know, main character, which is a chameleon. And, you know, of course there is no stock footage of chameleons. So that, that's the sort of stuff you would have to think, okay, well, Obviously, you can't get everything from stock. Exactly. And, and exactly. And that's it. And it's, you know, for something as simple as that, I mean, you can shoot the red umbrella. And that's not that's not. And that's exactly the kind of thing you should be shooting. It's easy and it's something that you would shoot closely. Um, but you might need a shot, like you said, of the New York skyline. Um, you know, that stuff is out there and that stuff is out there for free. But you you should look around and fi- find the stuff that's really high quality, color it so it matches the rest of your trailer. But just don't do too much of it because I think it sticks out. The the idea is you want to you want to make the audience guess where you got this from. And when you said like because you said to use your friends as actors, um, however, it's probably like unless you have the correct microphones and things like that, it's probably best that you don't get them to speak, isn't it? It's probably better that you just do voiceovers for that. I have found that to be the case, and I found that to be way more cinematic uh, than than doing actual production sound. I think we've only done one trailer that had production sound, and it was an actual scene from from a book that we adapted. And that's the only time we've done that. But I think, yeah, I mean, you save you save a fortune, and it's gonna it, it's gonna sound much better anyway if you just have someone do it into a microphone, do it in a voiceover capacity. And plus, that lends itself more to the trailer form anyway. So you don't have to worry how nice your friends sound, just as long as they look pretty. Yeah, or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I suppose um, in, a, in a lot of the trailers I've been having a, a look at over the past couple of days as well is um, they don't necessarily have to be pretty good actors either because – it um there's only like you know a couple of each each still uh, like particularly within your trailers each still within the trailer is only like three or four five seconds long in exactly. each scene so hmm. yeah exactly and that's that's another way to do it I mean you don't want to hold too long on any shot and you want to have I mean it, it doesn't have I'm not trying to say everything needs to be lightning fast pace but the more you can get in there the 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 more you can create the illusion of something bigger. Do do you guys read the full book to put your trailers together? Is it ne- is it necessary, or do you guys just need sort of like a blurb and then a f- you know first couple of chapters to get a feel for the writing style? Um, it's usually necessary to to read it. I think to to do it justice. I mean, because sometimes you can read it and just find some gem in the book that that would inform the trailer or an image that you really want to use. But having that understanding of the book always helps. We don't, I mean, there have been times where we didn't need to, I I would say, you know, for example, we had, we had an author who um, came to us with a script and it, it, you know, very often that doesn't work, but in this case it did work. And she had already casted the roles, met with the actors and, you know, she just needed a production team to do it. 
and to pull it off. So, you know, in that sense, I would say, no, we didn't need to. I mean, I did anyway, uh, just because I was interested. But um, in a situation like that, you might be able to get away with just a synopsis or, or the first few chapters. Can you actually hire, um, are you able to hire like those DSLR cameras out? Is that something that's possible or, or you sort of need to buy your own or get somebody who has one? Um, meaning, do you, would you rent them to others? Is that what you mean? Well, no, can you rent them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere, especially the 5Ds because they just came out with a new version of the 5D. So the Mark II is now even more accessible. I suppose you, you could potentially rent them from like schools, like cinematic schools or universities. You could. I mean, very often um, in the States, at least in L.A., uh, people were renting them privately. So, I mean, you could, you, if you came, I mean, pretty much anywhere, I could imagine you could have a DSLR in like 15 minutes, <laughs> quite honestly. Well, uh, when I was putting to, together this podcast, I was sort of had my, my own book in mind and I was thinking to myself, I have absolutely no idea what scenes or, or even what words I would need to convey my story in two minutes, let alone one. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what scenes are important to convey and, you know, what voiceover lines you should use? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, granted, you know, if we're using voiceover, but it, it's a great question. And, and I think that's where reading the book becomes very important. Um, you know, to, to doing the book justice. So typically, I mean, when I'm directing something, I will, I will read the book and I'll just start pulling images uh, as I read. Or I might come to a scene in a, or a chapter in a book and I'm like, you know, this is a very pivotal part of the narrative and this needs to get in somehow. Um, and then you can supplement that with, you know, the back cover synopsis and all the information that the, the publisher thought that it was necessary to get in. Um, you can sort of take from that as well. But it, it really is different in, in every project, at least the ones that I've directed. So potentially what you could do is you could potentially give your book to somebody else and say to them, okay, what are the pivotal moments for you and what are the images that stick in your head the most? That could potentially, like if you're an author and you're too close to your work, could that potentially be a way to help break that out? And that is something that we, yes, that, that's correct. And that is something that we ask all of our authors straight away, you know, is to give us an idea of what you see uh, when you imagine what your trailer is going to look like. And is there anything that you really want to get in? And and more often than not, they're very reasonable. Um, and in their requests, sometimes we get some crazy, you know, requests. I had, I had someone who, um, who will remain nameless, who, who said to me, you know, I, I paid, $3,500 for this trailer. you telling me George Clooney cannot come out for one shot. And I was like, well, yes, that that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> but um, more often than not, they're just very open to, um, to us, you know, figuring out what is inside this book that needs to get in and letting us do it. Um, and I suppose, I suppose it's, it's similar to a blurb in the fact that, you know, remove the subplots um, and 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 just stick to sort of the core elements of the narrative. Sometimes, yeah, I mean, I'd say pretty much. I mean, again, you, you don't necessarily need to put the entire plot of the book into the trailer, but, you know, if you, you want to be more beholden to the tone, I think that 
Anything, which isn't to say no plot at all, but sometimes you have very complex plots that you just can't express in two minutes, and, and nor should you. I mean, I think that's that's really the difference between a traditional trailer and and what this is. And I think very, you know, trailer is it could be the wrong word for what this is, and I mean not in the sense that we're just mi- not mimicking, you know, the the movie trailer form, but because you know these things shouldn't be designed only to trail. They should be accompanying a book throughout its existence as something that someone can go to and find, you know, for as long as the book is available. And I think it's the permanence of that that is is really attractive to people. And I think potentially another thing that might be um, good for indie authors who are looking to make their own as well is actually go out and watch book trailers for movies that you know. So you know what happens in the movie, like you've watched the full three hours, so you know all of the different plot points, and go and check out the trailer for that movie and see what they thought was important to put into the trailer for that three-hour movie. Um, and, and particularly within the genres that you want, you're writing in. So, so, you know, for your action and your thriller, the hook would be the initial... Um, the uh, the initial the hook that normally draws a person into an adventure or a thriller, and then it would be you know a sequence of of shots that build tension. Whereas mine is a comedy, and um, I was having a look at a whole heap of different comedy trailers, and I found that uh, a lot of the trailers, what they do is they just use a pretend, they use a funny part within the comedy movie, which isn't necessarily the pivotal point at all. But the main, you know, the first 30 to 40 seconds are of this particular funny scene to get people laughing, to get people saying, oh, yes, I like that, that's my sort of humour, before they will then, you know, throw in a couple of 30-second segments that give a general plot outline. But, um, you know, the funny didn't have to be a pivotal point of the story. Right, exactly. And I've seen a lot of to make people laugh. And that's really what you want. I mean, you want to get that response out of people, whether it's laughter, whether it's sadness, whether it's, you know, some sort of dramatic question. Uh, That's really what you're after. It's, you know, look look at a lot of music videos that are popular and and they don't necessarily reflect the content of the song. They they become a standalone work of art uh, more often than not. And uh, I think that that's largely what we're trying to do here is and and to experiment with new ways of doing it. Sure. But. I, I think what I'm trying to say is the the idea that this needs to mimic the movie trailer form exactly is a mistake, and those that's been done a lot, and and those trailers generally don't do very well. How interesting! So you're saying that people expect something different from a book trailer, or is it just um, a book has more content to draw on? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's still a book, you know, and it's it's not a movie. It might be something that you want to be a movie, and there might be elements, I mean, and I say elements, of of a traditional movie trailer that you might put in, whether it's, you know, some people like voiceover guy, for example. I'm not a fan of that, but there are a lot of people who are. But that doesn't mean that the rest of the content has to mimic a movie trailer. You can really go in any direction you want with it. Um, but I like to think that it's a nice balance of mixing the literary, the cinematic, and, and elements of advertising into one hybrid. Just having that moving element so that it's you know not just a PowerPoint where you're zooming into a PowerPoint, having that moving element kind of makes all the difference 
which allows you to put it together in, in different ways because it's the movement that I catch, is capturing people's attention, not necessarily the sequence. Um, definitely. I mean, definitely. And, and it's, it's more than that. I think people, at least, you know, right now, since every, these, this form of the cinematic book trailer is in its infant stages, people are just seeing it and they're like, wow, what is that? And, and feeling compared to share, compelled to share it based on, based on that. Um, but the idea is just to get that reaction out of people and, and get them to spread it around. I don't know. I don't know if that'll always be the case. This form might take off and become very, very commonplace. But from my side, the the goal is simply to make quality the new normal, and and to have the people in the book industry as well as the the authors themselves approach this very seriously and take it seriously as an art form. I mean, they spent who knows how many years being very meticulous in the writing and the editing of the book, this is how you're presenting it online. I mean, it, sh it should have the same level of care. If you were to distill your massive experience down to one secret for making a book trailer awesome and avoiding that, you know, I made this in my backyard sort of a feel, what would that be? I don't know. I really don't think it's one thing. I think it's everything, and I, I think the answer to that is that you need to put effort into every aspect of the process, from the casting to the sound to the music um, to how you shoot it to how you cut it. Um, a lot of you know to to coloring it, for example. Um, you know, sometimes people might not have the budget, and they they're able to do it entirely free, but they're unable to find suitable music that that's free. But there's a ton of free music out there. And there's a ton of composers who would be thrilled uh, to have their music in the trailer just to have their their work spread around. Um, so I, I think that really is the secret, is just taking it seriously, putting in the effort, and being inventive. Um, if, if you do that, people are probably going to respond, and they're probably going to think it's inventive too. And... With when if you're getting people like you know to compose for you and uh, perhaps to shoot for you, for example, should you you know have like a little credit slide at the end of the trailer? Is that something that would be like if they're doing that for you for free? Is that something that would be seen as um, right to you know to to do that? It depends. I mean, it really depends. I mean, in and everybody's opinion is different. My opinion is that. On the video itself, no one should appear except the author. And then you would, you know, credit everyone who worked on it or anyone you wanted to thank uh, or the production company involved in the actual text credit block on, say, the YouTube page or the Vimeo page. That's, I took my cue from advertising in that regard. Um, and that, you know, like in the beginning when we started making these, we had the Red 14 logo either at the front or at the end. But we stopped doing that because it, it seemed like a disservice to the to the author. Um, the the farthest I want to take it is to have the publisher's logo at the front, and I I typically do that out of respect to the publisher, whether or not they financed it. But apart from that, I don't want to confuse any of the audience about who's being advertised or or you know who who's being promoted. And do you ever show the book the cover of the book, or do you not? You just put like a URL to where it is. I prefer not to have the book cover. I think that that's something that's more common and appropriate for the typical book trailer that we were talking about. Um, and again, because I, I think that that says this is a direct ad. 
and this is, you know, something you should buy. And I get that this is the sell. I, I really do. At the same time, you don't see music videos where, you know, the album cover spins into frame at the end with, you know, a, a place of purchase. People are going to be, I, I almost think you're talking down to people when you do that. And um, if you do a good enough job, they're going to be compelled to, you know, look on the, the actual credit block and click, you know, the link. Um, but that said, there, there are authors who really want it. And we've had a few who insisted, and, and so we did it for them, and we had it there. But I try to discourage them from it because of that reason. And do you normally show, like, the title and the author at the start or the end of the clips, or does it not matter? Uh, I'm not sure it matters. I, I think it depends. I mean, sometimes you want to get right into the imagery. Sometimes you want to tease it a little bit. So, for example, you might not put all the information up front, but you might say, for example, from the author of so-and-so. And what that does is it has the effect of letting the audience know that, yeah, you're watching a book trailer, but if you keep watching, you'll find out more about, you know, who who the book is by and, and what the book is about and, and, and so forth. Hmm. Well, most people label label them on YouTube as book trailers anyway, so exactly. people should know what they're getting into. Exactly. I agree. Do you, do you see any glaring mistakes that authors make when doing their own book trailers? Um, all the time. All the time. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally it just comes down to quality and thinking that, you know, I, I made my book trailer for $79 uh, and it didn't get any hits. Therefore, book trailers don't work. Um, I hear that a lot. Um, which is part of it being in its infant stages and, and a new form. I mean, I expect to hear that. But, yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to not approaching it with a level of quality and not taking it seriously, figuring, you know, we can just throw something together and spend a couple hours on it and we have a book trailer and it'll do. But it really won't do um, because, again, people in general are very savvy with online content these days. And they can they can sense if they're being spammed from from 400 yards, you know what I mean? They just know. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. But it's you know it's also it, it comes down to the numbers for a lot of people. Uh, what you know, meaning how serious they're willing to take uh, their investment in this. And for me, the numbers are very simple. I mean, it's you know anyone who is published by a big house or anyone who is self-publishing, as I said, realizes that a lot of the promotion is really on them. And they're naturally going to be uh, drawn toward Google ads and Facebook ads as a means of, of advertising. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But you start getting into that, you realize that the search terms that apply to you are generally somewhere around a dollar a click, if not more. And that goes very quickly. And more importantly, that does not necessarily result in anything. It might result in a click, but once they click, you don't know what they're doing. Or, I mean, you, you might know through analytics, but you have no control over what they're doing um, and, and how they're engaging with the content. Uh, and you, you can go through a lot of money really quickly without anything to show for it and without any real guarantee that uh, it led to uh, interest. I don't think there's any way to measure directly how this how book trailers lead to book sales. I don't think you'll ever be able to. I mean, it, it's the same with music videos. There's no way of measuring how many uh, sales a music video created of an album. Um, 
I mean, you can you can speculate, but I don't think you can truly measure. But you know, with the book trailer, for example, with the cost that that we're able to produce them at, you you know, we, if you get a minimum of ten thousand views, which is typically the minimum that we're able to to garner, you know, that's you ended up spending thirty five cents, twenty five cents uh, for a view versus a dollar per click, and you have something to show for it, and it's out there permanently. And you could pretty much have a guarantee that it created that sense impression for the viewer and that they at least know who you are now and know about your book. You know, whether or not they spread it depends or share it depends uh, upon the quality of the book trailer. And then as the number of views go up, uh, which they, they, they normally do, the amount that you paid uh, per view just gets lower. So it's a really good investment in that sense. Um, that's interesting that you say, you know, and a minimum of 10,000 10, views is fantastic. That's Basically, just through that our many subs- views at all. <laughs> and we're able to get that just through our, our subscriptions on, on YouTube. And we don't put up just one. I mean, we upload when we distribute and we offer distribution packages. We upload to something like 50 video sites. So we really do put it out there. Oh, um, and I hadn't realized just how many other video sites there were. Um, other than YouTube as well, do they all have fairly strong communities? Uh, some of them do, some of them don't, but we try to avoid the ones that don't. I mean, I I think off the top of my head, sites like YouTube, Vimeo, uh, Indie Trailers, Book Reels, uh, Daily Motion, uh, Book Trailer Central, just to name a few, all have pretty decent followings. Hmm. Um. The, the final question I really wanted to ask you, so, you know, you're an indie author, you've decided, okay, I'm going to put time into making this a quality production. Are there any, I suppose, cheap workarounds, so ways that you can get close to cinematic quality without spending the money? Like I think I read in one of your blogs that, um, you know, a potential way to help with your cinematography was actually to go to the local university to or local college and, you know, sniff around and see if there were any, uh, not photography, cinematic students that were willing to do this for their portfolio. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely one way to do it. Um, You can find good cinematographers and good composers that way uh, who who just want to work and just want to build their reels. Uh, Very often you know these people. And and very often, you know, they're, you know, for, for example, we have a lot of clients who have kids and their kids... Are, are pretty savvy with cameras um, or they have friends who are. So I, th- I think in this day and age, that's not hard to do. But um, how do you get the cinematic quality? I mean, some of the ideas that I gave earlier, I think, speak to that. But um, some other examples are film exteriors, you know, focus on the exterior shots rather than interior shots. Interior shots are harder to light. Um, and if you are shooting interiors, stay close. Use a practical bulb, stay close. Um, Rather than exposing yourself with a with a wide shot, um, you know that that's that's certainly you know one one aspect of it. Um, staying very tight on the actors. Um, yeah, I mean I I think the list goes on, but I I have I encourage you to check out the blog post for the Empty the Sun project that we did because I list everything and I do it in a way that it's uh, I show the actual shot uh, mm. that we used. And are, are there any good places uh, where you can get stock video online that are fairly cheap or, or free? I'm trying to think. Free, yes. Um, there are places. I'm 
Video Blocks has some okay states. It's like hit and miss. Um, but we've managed to find a few nice shots on, on Video Blocks. Pond 5 is pretty good. Um, for music, there's a site called Incompetech. It's I-N-C-O-M-P-T-E-C-H.com. And it's run by a compo- very talented composer named Kevin MacLeod, who gives all his music away for free. Um, and he's, he's really talented. And so that's a good place. Uh, stock video, again, we don't use much of it. So I've pretty much found what we needed on those two sites. But there's a ton of stuff out there. Oh, no, another I, I misspoke. There's another really good one called archive.org, especially if you're looking for stock footage of the vintage quality. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there. For example, we we just cut a Kickstarter video um, using a lot of clips from those 1950s educational films that are in black and white. And you can do some really cool creative stuff with that. And it's all public domain. So how do you so, – so everything on archive.org is public domain? Because I was having a look the other day and I was trying to find out whether any of the video on there was copyrighted because I didn't know. As, you know, I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but as far as I understand, it's all public domain, yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. cool, because there are some, some really cool things on there. Do you need any special access to be able to access those, those clips? Do you have to sign up for an account or whatever? No, I don't think you do. You just, you just right-click the video and save it to your hard drive, and you're good. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for, for all of those. Do you have any... Um, uh, the the other thing that I wanted to ask was about Outlook editing software. Are there any, you know, is is Movie Maker on Windows a big no no or? I don't I don't think it's a big no no. Um, it it depends what you're doing. I mean, I I prefer Final Cut Pro myself. Um, I also understand that that's not an accessible program for everybody either in in terms of affording it or operating it. Um, but there are other, I mean, I, I have nothing against, uh, not that I can name them, but I can, it was iMovie and uh, Movie Maker, right? Those are the ones that come with the computers. Yes, I yeah. Th- I think I think you can do plenty with that. Absolutely. I mean, you're you're limited in terms of effects and you're limited in terms of coloring, definitely, and and transitions. But I think that you know you can take something that you shot that was high quality and and cut something decent out of that, definitely. And you're also mentioning as well that, um, you know, if you didn't have a digital SLR, that iPhones take really freaking good video. And they actually have fantastic, um, if, if you're ever thinking of podcasting anything, they actually have very fantastic um, microphones, both iPads and iPhones. That's right. That's right. And absolutely, I mean, it's especially the, the, the photo quality on the camera is very good. And if you, if you know even a little bit about lighting, you'd be surprised the, the shots that you can pull off. There's also um, an application uh, that a friend of mine invented called Vidify. Uh, I think it's something like 99 cents to buy it. I might be wrong. Um, and it's a really cool app that basically serves as an editor. And what you can do is what, it, what Vidify does is that it, um, it takes all of the video in your iPhone and it chooses a song from the, that's in your iPhone and it edits a film for you. And it, it uses the, the pacing of the music uh, to create something unique in, in editing. It's a really cool app. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. So how can people find out more about Red 14 Films? So what services do you guys provide 
Because I know that you provide stuff that's also not just book trails, but you do like interviews and things like that. Yeah, it's all pretty integrated. I mean, we do, um, well, to find us, go to our website, www.red14.com. I'm sorry, red14films.com. It's the number 14. Um, as well as our blog, which is cinematicbooktrailer.com. Um, we're on, on Facebook at Facebook slash red14films, uh, as well as Twitter. Um, the services we offer, in addition to the full-length trailer, um, we can create a shorter uh, 30-second to one-minute trailer that we call blurb trailer, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's, um, it's imagery that we shot that's either in the full-length trailer or that, that was not used, um, mixed with blurbs that, that other authors or, or people have given you um, that's text-based, but it usually overlays uh, goes over the imagery. Um, we also do author's interviews, like you said, that, you know, it's not point-and-shoot style uh, interview. We, we try to shoot it as cinematically as the actual trailer, and and weave in images from the trailer with that. So it's it's almost a third film that you get. That's fantastic. So people can contact you guys through the website then? Through the website, or you can email us directly at info at red14films.com. And, you know, I, I encourage anyone listening to who has questions to just reach out to us, um, even if it's just to have a conversation or, or bounce ideas. You know, we're always excited to talk to, to new writers. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us today, Adam. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for listening today. I hope it inspired you. You can get more information on the ebook revolution and author marketing online at ebookrevolution.blogspot.com. See you for the next show. Viva la revolution.